You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. I thought we'd start the message with just a little bit of holiday cheer. Um, little Andy Williams. Later in that Andy Williams holiday classic, he sings the line, It's a holiday feeling. Would you agree with me that there are certain songs that are played during the holiday season that when we hear them, it does create some kind of certain holiday feeling inside of us? Would you agree with that? Songs like um, Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire, Silver Bells, I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas, Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow. These are all, uh, they signify that the holiday season has arrived. And then there are classic Christmas movies. What would the holiday be like without movies like um, Elf, uh, A Christmas Story, um, It's a Wonderful Life, Miracle on 34th Street. You know the ones I'm talking about. They're just part of the holiday tradition. Uh, They're synonymous with the holiday. In fact, if you were to come to our house during the holiday season, um, you might sit and listen with us to some of these holiday classics. And um, Cammy has been making um, uh, and baking for about two, three weeks right now, and there's just a lot of sweet stuff in our house. Um, so we would offer you some really great holiday treats, and we'd probably say, would you like a cup of hot cider? And then we might invite you to uh, settle down and watch with us It's a Wonderful Life, because that's something we do every year at Christmas. Uh, and so Again, this is, these are some of the things that we do, but these aren't all the things that we do. They're just some because our focus isn't the holiday. Our focus is Christmas. You get where I'm going with this? There's a lot of things that happen during the holiday season that aren't really associated with Christmas. I'm not putting them down. They give us that holiday feeling. But our focus is found more, and I think the same is true for you. Our focus is found more in those great um, traditional Christmas hymns that we sing that proclaim the birth of Jesus. Songs like we sang this morning, O Holy Night, or we sing, O Little Town of Bethlehem, O Come Let Us Adore Him, Um, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Those are the songs that proclaim the birth of Jesus. Uh, Our our focus for the holiday is grounded uh, in John 1, 14. Um, which tells us that the promise that God gave to send a Savior into the world was fulfilled. In the message version, I love how it reads. It says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Think about it. God came from heaven in his son Jesus, and he became flesh and blood like us, and he started living among us. He knows. He's associated so much with what life is like for us. So when we celebrate Christmas, um, Christmas is our reminder to the world that uh, the manger, uh, the resurrection, the story of Jesus, it's more than just a sweet story. It's a true story. We're reminding the world that the story of Jesus is the story of salvation. And Christmas is a celebration that's a reminder to the world that Jesus was the dividing line that literally changed the course of history. Jesus was the dividing line. Christmas, as we celebrate Christmas, we're reminding the world that hope was born, and it's a reminder that God promised 
to redeem us from the consequences of sin and that God made good on his promise. In other words, Christmas is more than just a fun holiday that we celebrate. Instead, Christmas is the defining moment in which God moved to bring hope to humanity. Think about it. God moved. The Christmas story is about God bringing hope to humanity. Now, we hear this message every year in some form, but sometimes I think we can become immune to it. So I'm going to say it again. God, through Jesus, it's when he moved to bring us hope. We need hope, don't we? There's hope in the world that we live in. There's hope in the situations that we find ourselves in because God drew the dividing line through Jesus and he brought hope. Christmas, again, it's the celebration of God coming in flesh and blood and living among us. Uh, Pastor Timothy Keller describes Christmas this way. Listen, he says, the incarnation, the coming of Christ at Christmas is the universe sundering, history altering, life-transforming, paradigm-shattering event in history. It's just another way to say, when Jesus came, it changed the course of history. Now, we established last week as we began this series, and we're talking about today, that when Jesus came, he changed the course of history. We, We won't deny that. There's no denying that. But as we begin to think about that, thinking what Jesus did for the world, the difference that Jesus made when he came for the world, can sometimes feel a little challenging to get our mind around. It's a little challenging to comprehend. Uh, it, it's, it's, just, it's just so big. It, it's overwhelming. It would be like if I told uh, someone uh, to go out and count the stars. Your response to me would probably be, there's, there's just too many. I can't do that. And often that's how it is when we're trying. It's a process of trying to comprehend all that Jesus did. So I think that the best way to better understand the difference that Jesus made in the world is to ask the question, what does it mean for me personally? Because if we can understand what it means for us personally, then we can begin to broaden it out. So we narrow the scope. We ask about personal, but then we understand if that's what it means for me, that's what it means for every person around me. It's what it means for the people in my neighborhood, at my work. It's what it means for the world when we understand what it means personally. So today, we want to attempt to understand what it means personally as we look at the story of an encounter that happened between a man by the name of Simeon and Mary and Joseph, and the baby Jesus. So if you would, open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and then if you'll take out your teaching notes and follow along as I read from Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 25. Luke two twenty-five. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, As you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. 
For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. And to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Now, I think that it's necessary that we always use our imagination when we're reading scripture. What would it have been like to be there? So I want you to watch this short video clip that might give us a bit of an idea. Now let thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. Mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentile, and the glory of thy people Israel. Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. Yea, a sword will pierce to thy own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So with that picture in mind, let's talk a little bit about this encounter. Let's talk about the people who were involved in the encounter. Let's talk first about Mary and Joseph. We know that Mary and Joseph lived in Bethlehem. So what is it that caused Mary and Joseph to make the six or seven mile journey to Jerusalem to present their baby boy in the temple? And um, here's what we know. Mary and Joseph were a devout Jewish couple. They were committed to their faith and they wanted to obey the commands of God. God had made it clear to Abraham, Abraham had lived centuries, centuries before, that the outward sign for his chosen people, Israel, was that of circumcision. So when a baby boy was eight days old, that child was um, circumcised and named. And that typically happened in the temple. We know that Mary and Joseph were obedient to this because if we look at verse 21 in chapter 2, it says, On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was converted. So Mary and Joseph um, are true to the command of the law, and on the eighth day, their baby boy is circumcised and named. And now this encounter that we've read about and that we've seen on screen that happened with Simeon, it happened some 32 days later. Um, On the 40th day after a male child was born, the parents were to bring that child to the temple in Jerusalem for a dedication ceremony. And it was in that ceremony uh, that the son was presented to God. And the parents were to bring a monetary offering. Typically, it was five shekels. And that was to uh, redeem the child for themselves. It's much like when we have a child dedication services here at church. They were saying, 
um, we, we, we redeem this child today to ourselves in that, God, we recognize this child is your gift that you've given to us, but only for a time. And so we commit to raise him in your ways. We commit to love and care and nurture him. But we realize that ultimately this child belongs to you. They were also to make an animal sacrifice before the Lord. Symbolically, the animal sacrifice represented the covering of their sins. And the custom was to bring an unblemished lamb. But if they couldn't afford the price of a lamb, then they could bring uh, two pigeons or two turtle doves. And two turtle doves are what Mary and Joseph brought that day, so we know that they weren't a family of great means. In fact, they were living in poverty. So we have a picture of Mary and Joseph and what brought them to the temple. They were obeying the law, uh, but then there's Simeon. And as we uh, read the passage together just a moment ago, uh, it begins by saying, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. So who is Simeon? What do we know about Simeon and what led him to the temple that day. Truth of the matter is, we don't really know a lot about Simeon. In fact, um, the gospel writer, Luke, was the only one who presented this story. None of the other gospel writers, and we don't find any mention of Simeon anywhere else in the scripture, so we, we actually know very little. Um, uh, we do know that um, some speculated that Simeon might have been the priest that Mary and Joseph presented Jesus to, but that's only speculation because Luke doesn't tell us that in the passage, so we can't know that for sure. But we do know that he was a part of the faithful Jewish remnant, and they were waiting on, they were looking for the Messiah. And Luke tells us that he was a devout Jew, and Luke tells us that he was a good man and right standing with God because of his faith in God. And Luke tells us that he was a man who had been given a promise. When he was a much younger man, the Holy Spirit spoke. God spoke through the Holy Spirit and said, Simeon, I promise you that you will see the Messiah before you die you will come face to face with the Messiah. Um, And we know that he came to the temple on this particular day because the Holy Spirit led him. At the very time Mary and Joseph were making their way to the temple, the Holy Spirit was directing Simeon and bringing him to the temple. And it was on that day that the Holy Spirit, God, made true He fulfilled the promise that he made to Simeon. Listen to Luke uh, uh, chapter 2, verses 29 through 32. Uh, I'm going to read it again. It says, Sovereign Lord, this is Simeon speaking, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people in Israel. In other words, Israel, uh, Simeon saying, God, you made a promise. You promised that I would see the Messiah before I die. And God, I realize that that's happening right now. I see him. You have fulfilled your promise. Simeon realized that as he was there in the temple that day and he was looking at the baby Jesus, he wasn't just looking at another baby. He understood in that moment because the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he was looking at the Savior of the world. So Simeon 
was an eyewitness to the line that was drawn because of Jesus' birth. He realized that what he had witnessed was the line that was drawn for the world. He declared, I have seen the Messiah. I have seen salvation for the Jews, for the Gentiles, for the nations. In other words, for the entire world. He had been waiting and he had been waiting and he had been waiting on God to fulfill the promise. And that day he knew that the promise had been fulfilled. So um, I think that the message of Christmas is also a reminder that God is always faithful to his promises. Have you found that true in your life? God is always true to his promise. I never really thought about the Christmas celebration that way. But when we look at this story, it's a reminder. God is always faithful. God is always true to his promises. Simeon realized, he witnessed that day what God had done for the world. But on that day, he also experienced something very personal. Because God had given him a personal promise. A personal promise. And that personal promise was fulfilled. Listen, God is faithful in his promises, but God is also faithful in the personal promises that he makes to us. Uh, when I graduated from college, which was a long time ago, um, I received uh, from my pastor at the time this little book. Uh, it says God prom- God's Promises for Everyday Life. Uh, it's inscribed inside. It says... Um, God bless you on your graduation from Life Bible College, June 17th, 1983, Pastor and Mrs. Harold Helms. This little book is filled with hundreds and hundreds of promises that God has made. The Bible is filled with hundreds and hundreds of promises that are are true in God's word. We find the Bible a book of, of, of promises. Um, And what we know, I'm going to say it again, God is always faithful. Every promise that we would find here, which come from his word, God will fulfill every single one of them. We never have to doubt that. Listen to what um, the word says about the promises of God. Psalm 145, 13. It says, the Lord is trustworthy in all of his promises and faithful in all he does. Psalm 72, 22 says, Then I will praise you with music on the harp, because you are faithful to your promises, O my God. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Keep in mind that the Lord your God is the only God. He is a faithful God who keeps his promise and is merciful to thousands of generations of those who love him and obey his commands. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not human that he should lie. Not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and then not fulfill? Listen, God is true to his promises. These are just a few of the verses that speak to the faithfulness of God in fulfilling his promises. And Simeon's story is an excellent example of God being faithful to his promise. But as we read it, I hope there's something that you noticed. Simeon had to wait. Simeon had to wait. So tradition has it. It's not, we don't find a a biblical reference for this, but tradition has it that Simeon was about 113 years old 
when he came face to face with the Messiah. And we do know that when he was a much younger man, the Holy Spirit spoke to him this promise. So that tells me that Simeon had a promise, but he had to wait a very, very, very long time for the promise to be fulfilled. I had a wise man, Don McGregor, tell me many years ago, he said, you never reap in the same season that you plant. You never reap in the same season that you plant. In other words, there's a time involved. There's a waiting period. And the same is true in life when it comes to God's promises. Typically, there is a waiting period in God's promises because God is working something out in us. God speaks promises to us through his word. If you think about Simeon, uh, the promise that Simeon have, had, we don't find uh, that promise in verse, uh, chapter and verse anywhere, but we know that the Holy Spirit spoke this promise to him, and that promise was in alignment with the word because there are other prophecies that talked about the Savior of the world coming. Regardless if it's a promise directly from the word or if it's something that the Holy Spirit has spoken to us personally that lines up with the word, there's always a waiting period. Sometimes that waiting period is not too long. And sometimes that waiting period is really long. Let me tell you four things about God's promises. Number one, God's word is filled with promises. I've already said that. Number two, God speaks personal promises to us that align with the promises in his word. Simeon's an example of that. God is faithful to fulfill his promises. And again, there's always a waiting period. There's always a waiting period. And so what we're able to learn when we begin to draw from Simeon's story is that God is active in the waiting seasons of our life. Even when we don't see God at work, God is active in the waiting seasons of our life. God is always working behind the scenes. As Simeon was waiting, God was working out the plan of salvation behind the scenes. He was bringing all the pieces together. When God spoke in a promise to us, while we're waiting, he's bringing everything together and at the right time. See, God gives us promises, but God is also the timekeeper of his promises. He decides when the time is right. And so as I was working through this message this week, and this really is kind of where I want to settle in. I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but I was prompted to say that perhaps you're here and you're hearing this message and you're in a waiting period. Because God gave you a promise. It was either a promise directly from Scripture or it was a promise that the Holy Spirit spoke to you and it lines up with Scripture. And you've been waiting and you've been waiting and you've been waiting and you've been waiting. And you've been waiting so long that you think, God, maybe you forgot me. Or maybe I didn't hear you correctly. Or maybe I've done something to keep you from... um, bringing the promise to fulfillment. Maybe I've disqualified myself. Maybe it's my fault. I want to say again to you, if God has given you a particular promise from his word, a promise that lines up with his word, God is at work 
behind the scenes. God has not forgotten you. And I want to say, do not give up. Keep contending for what God has promised. He's doing something in you. He's preparing you to uh, receive the fullness of that promise. He's working it all out. Even if you don't see it, God is active in the waiting season of your life. We can know that the promise will be fulfilled because Jesus drew the line when he was born. Jesus made way for the promise to be fulfilled. If you don't get anything else from this message today, just know God will fulfill the promises in your life. Keep contending. Keep persevering. There's just a couple of other things that I want to pull from this story really quickly as I begin to close. Um, After Simeon was satisfied that God's promise had been fulfilled and he had seen the Savior, he spoke a blessing over Mary and Joseph. Uh, As we read it, it doesn't necessarily seem a lot like a blessing. It's more like a prophetic word. It talks about things like it's going to pierce your heart and it's going to divide. Uh, It's not necessarily the kind of blessing you would want to receive. Nevertheless, it it was a blessing. And one of the things he spoke is that Jesus would define a line that would cause the rising and falling of many people. What does that mean? I don't think we have to make that really complicated. If Jesus drew a line, and last week, his birth drew a line, and last week we talked about that his line was a point of separation, a dividing point. When we take that into thought and apply it to this, I think it simply tells us that Jesus divides, uh, Jesus drew the line, and we have to determine which side of the line are we going to fall in. The line divides people into two groups of people, those who believe and those who don't believe. It's just that simple. So we have to decide which side of the line are we going to fall on. Simeon's story reminds us that the line is about salvation. And we talked about this last week. It's the miracle of the incarnation. God in flesh living among us, making the way for the price for our sin to be paid at Calvary. And finally... Simeon's story reminds us that Christmas is a celebration of peace. I love what Simeon said. God, you've been true to your promise. I've seen the Messiah. And if you took me right now, I would depart in peace because you are faithful. You are true to your promise. And so, simple, in order for us to depart this world in peace... Uh, we have to choose to fall on the right side of the line. We have to choose to receive salvation. So let me see if I can just bring this to an end. I, I, as I was it's just praying through this, thinking through this, uh, I knew that I want to conclude with two ways. One is just to speak again to anyone here who may be holding a promise that God has given you. I just want to say don't give up. Don't give up. God is faithful. Would you bow your heads right now? God, I pray for all of us, but particularly for those in this room who may be discouraged right now because they found themselves in a waiting period longer than they ever 
imagined waiting for you to fulfill a promise, a promise that you've spoken through your word by your spirit. And so today I pray for any person in this room who may be navigating through that work, uh, that waiting period, who might be challenged with it, who might be discouraged or disappointed by the waiting season, that there would be a renewal in their heart, in their mind, in their soul, in their spirit, and that you would revive hope, a hope that recognizes that, God, you are always faithful to your promises and you have not forgotten them. And so I pray that you bring refreshing and renewal right now. Right now, God. That there would be a new joy and anticipation that you will fulfill what you have spoken. Pray that we would remember that we have not disqualified ourselves. That there is no condemnation in you. And that we don't have to work for that promise. We simply have to have faith to continue to believe and contend. So I pray that that would be settled in all of us right now. Father, I also want to pray for those who maybe have never stepped over the line of salvation. With everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, um, just let me ask, is it possible that someone's here who has never said, Jesus, I just want to commit my life to you. I want to live my life for you. And so today, Jesus, I confess that you took my place. You came as a baby and you made your way to the cross and you took my place. You paid the consequence of my sin through your blood. And today I confess that. I say I believe it. And I just want to live my life for you. I'm committing myself to you. Is there anybody here and you've never done that before? And if so, you'd say, I want to do it today. If so, would you just lift up your hand and let your eye catch my eye? Is there anybody? Is there anybody at all? Father, thank you for the gift of salvation in this place. And Father, we thank you that you are true to your promises. You are faithful. You never disappoint. You never discourage. And you always fulfill your promises at just the right time. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for the promise fulfilled of a Redeemer, a Savior. And thank thank you that we can know that Savior personally. So we commit ourselves to you today, and we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.